Welcome to the drdavidmarlin.com Stable Science Podcast. I'm Dr. David Marlin, and along with a great team of experts, I'm helping horse owners and riders achieve optimal performance for their much-loved horses. In these podcasts, we will discuss science-led research, technology, information, and advice to help you care for your horses so they may live healthier, happier, and longer lives. To support the podcast and all our research and science for horses, go to our website, www.drdavidmarlin.com, and to learn more about what we do and the hot topics under discussion, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi. In this podcast, I want to talk about social license to operate, SLO. It's the new buzzword. Everyone's talking about SLO. Or maybe they're not. Maybe you haven't heard about SLO. Um, But what is it? Well, Social license to operate in anything is society's approval, essentially, to continue what you're doing. So, for example, the reason why we don't have uh, bear baiting and and, uh, and dog fighting and even hunting with uh, hounds, hunting foxes, is because of society deciding uh, and applying pressure and resulting in laws that mean that those activities can't take place. So what we're interested in when we talk about equestrian social license to operate is whether or not society is a general, and that can be uh, non-equestrians who don't compete. For example, if we're talking about um, competing horses, um, it could be uh, equestrians, and it could be people who don't have anything to do with horses, but have an opinion on whether what we do is acceptable. And so social license has become a hot topic because we've seen examples of how potentially it's under threat. Um, And, you know, is it a case of we need to do something 
before we don't have a choice, before the choice is made for us. So before I start going into this in more detail, what I want to kind of try and get across is that I do feel I have some experience that's relevant to this discussion. Um, Some of the examples of things that I've been involved in in my career, for example, within the EU, undertaking research to change the legislation relating to long-distance transport of horses for slaughter to improve their welfare. I was the uh, trainer for the British Endurance team when they won uh, the World Silver Medal in 2000, the last medal they won. I've experienced racing, polo and endurance in Gulf countries where culture is different and they have different attitudes to us. Uh, I've been part of Team GB's backroom scientific staff uh, since uh, 2000, possibly even earlier. I've been the FEI's climate advisor since 1996. Uh, So my role there is is to ensure that we manage competitions in, in hot, challenging climates appropriately to reduce risk to horses. Uh, We've got a good result on that one. (laughs) You may know that in Tokyo, uh, although it was extremely hot, we we did not have a single incidence of any heat-related illness. Um, I'm currently president of the UK's National Equine Welfare Council. I'm also president of the Sport Horse Welfare Foundation, which is a newly formed organisation of vets and scientists who have uh, an interest in uh, continuing horse sport, who, who support horse sport, but feel that more could be done to improve welfare of horses. And I've attended at least, I think, four, maybe five Olympic Games or four or five World Equestrian Games, as well as many World Championships. So I've seen a lot of what goes on within horse sport, not just in this country, but around the world. So to come back to this question of social license, what does it mean? Um, Well, I've got a number of different uh, definitions that I want to read out for you from uh, some different uh, different sources. The first one is from the European Equestrian Federation. And they say the true meaning of a social licence is the acceptance and approval by people not involved in the equestrian sports that we, as practitioners of this sport with horses, exercise the horse in a way that is acceptable in broad layers of the population. And that's a fairly good definition. Um, the only thing they they basically focus on people not involved in equestrian sport, where I would say our social licence is at risk, not just from people without equestrian sport, but potentially from people within the equestrian community as well. Um, Then I've got a definition from World Horse Welfare, and this one says, Although the horse-human partnership is an ancient one, for it to thrive long-term, equestrianism needs to ensure it continues to have the approval and acceptance of wider society. When an activity does have society's approval and acceptance, it is said to have a social licence to operate, SLO. And then the third one I'm going to read you is from the FEI. 
In our industry, social licence to operate is the term given to society's acceptance of the practice of equestrian sport and all its related activities, and that comes from the FEI president, Ingmar DeVos. So hopefully you should now have some understanding of uh, what social licence means in an equestrian context. So then my next question really is, what is equestrian's social license to operate under threat and if that answer is yes then why is it under threat and the next question then is well what can we do about it to uh, improve the welfare of horses involved in horse sport and to, to try and maintain our social license to operate and in this next section I want to look at some of the reasons why welfare might be compromised, welfare of horses might be compromised in competition. The first could be simply ignorance. I didn't know. I didn't know is an explanation. Um, it's not really an excuse. Um, it explains why you've done it, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's acceptable that you did that. And for example, restricting water. Um, we have pretty good evidence that horses don't need to have their water restricted uh, when they're competing, yet many people do because they thought it gave them colic or they thought it was a risk for laminitis or some other unsubstantiated reason. Um, there's, and there's, of course, huge numbers of examples of ignorance within the equestrian world. Uh, there is a, a meme that goes round every summer which drives me insane uh, which says never turn a wet house or wet wet house not even a wet horse a wet horse out to pasture the sun can heat the water on your horse's body to very high temperatures and cause your horse to overheat i mean this is just ridiculous um but many people may not wet their horses down in hot weather which is beneficial for them because they've seen this stupid um, an ignorant meme go around. So, on the other side of ignorance, maybe is arrogance. Um, an example of arrogance. Well, it doesn't hurt. Being whipped doesn't hurt. Me pulling on the bit doesn't hurt. Um, oh, yeah, you know, when they hit the fences, it doesn't hurt. Um, that is a form of arrogance. How do you know it doesn't hurt? And And shouldn't we be... A little bit more concerned about whether or not it does hurt and then there is potential compromise to horse welfare in competitions through pure accidents something that's totally unplanned um, there was no intention to do it there was every intention to avoid it and we could say a fall in cross-country uh, let's say the horse uh, slips and falls that is potentially an injury and a compromise to the horse's welfare but it was Accidentally, it may have been totally unavoidable. And then finally, we have um, a slightly different uh, version, perhaps, of the previous one, unavoidable or unpreventable. So, for example, if we tested all horses for, and all horses were vaccinated for influenza, but we still had an outbreak um, because one horse was uh, shedding virus, but without showing any clinical signs, how could we have prevented that? Um, we might, you might want to, to roll that one into accidental. But it, for me, it's useful to have that sort of 
that, that separation. So essentially, I like to think of horse welfare potentially being compromised through ignorance, through arrogance, accidentally or unavoidably. And there's unfortunately a, a nasty side to this that we have to think about as well, because there is deliberate compromise to welfare in competition. And this is usually, uh, I can only think of two reasons. One is prestige. I wanted to win. It's not about the money. Um, I just want to stand on the podium. I want the gold medal. Or it's for financial gain. And often it's a combination of probably both of those. So is Equestrian's social license really under threat? Is it already under threat? Well, if we have a look at some examples, then I think I might be able to convince you that we are just starting to get a little bit more attention than we want and that we need to take some steps to address this. The, the first one that I want to focus on is the news that happened in uh, July last year when South Australia uh, banned jump racing with state government backing. And this is almost unprecedented um, for an industry. You know, racing is big, it's powerful, it's important. Uh, well, it's important to those, obviously, who, who work within it. Um, it's important for governments for betting, for revenue. Um, but jump racing was banned in, in South Australia. And it may be that there will be bans in other states. Um, there is, or there was last year, uh, still is active, a change.org petition to ban horse racing in the UK and Ireland before more horses purposelessly die. And at the time I looked at this uh, in November, there was 19,000 uh, people who had signed this. Now, if that gets to 25,000, that becomes one of the top signed uh, petitions on change.org. It means that there are a lot of people, relatively, who think that racing is wrong. And then we have some other examples of uh, potential threats. The book by Julie Taylor, uh, which is uh, captioned as an open letter to the IOC, which says, I can't watch anymore the case for dropping equestrian from the Olympic Games. Now, this is an interesting one because this slightly confuses me as to the approach because a lot of uh, Julie Taylor's objections uh, and the case for dropping equestrian are focused on the fact that she uh, believes it's an elitist sport which may be true but that necessary being an elitist sport doesn't necessarily make it uh, that horses welfare is compromised so as I say I find that book interesting I've read it once I want to go back and read it again because I think it's important that we understand what are the objections. And this sort of, uh, of course, threat to um, use of horses for, for competing isn't a new thing. Uh, there were problems in the World Equestrian Games in 1990. Um, I'm actually sitting, look at an image uh, of a horse that is, is hyper-flexed from the warm-up 
from the World of Christian Games in 1990. Uh, a horse died in uh, Stockholm uh, related to the heat. Um, and since then, there's been lots of focus on with uh, pictures, images of horses being significantly, extremely overbent into uh, an abnormal uh, position. And then there is um, other uh, other groups that are focusing on the bad stuff in sport, and and we shouldn't ignore this. We, you know, these are uh, this is how these people feel. They are highlighting things. As a community, we should be looking at this and saying, okay, uh, you know, is this representative, uh, or is this just a one in a thousand that they've managed to find? And Epona.tv uh, from Scandinavia uh, very strongly uh, focuses on some of the welfare issues that are apparent in horse sport. And 1992 Barcelona Olympic Games. Uh, horses collapsed on the cross-country course uh, on live TV. Um, four horses that were uh, banned ahead of the show jumping final at the Beijing Olympics uh, because of doping. Uh, Splitters Creek Bundy, the horse that broke its legs during an endurance race in the, in uh, Abu Dhabi in 2015. Um, you know, and, and horrible images of people just driving past, not stopping to help the poor horse. Um, Andy Kocher, uh, electric shock spurs, um, you know, <laughs> just absolutely no excuse to me. We have to give people like this a lifetime ban. Uh, that isn't an error of judgment. That is a deliberate attempt to abuse horses for uh, for gain. And then we had a period where there were, uh, you know, it seemed that every week we had a horse die in eventing competition. Um, if that that period was sort of uh, 2007 to 2010. Uh, we had sort of 8 to 12 deaths uh, of horses. There was then a drop in 2011. Um, again, we had 11 deaths in 2012. Then there, it dropped back and it gradually increased up into 2018. Uh, we've had between, uh, what is it, 3 and I'd say 6 deaths of horses uh, 2019 to 2022 so the numbers have dropped back you know and it's not uh, no no deaths of horses are acceptable um, you know one death of a horse is is too many um, but we have to think how people outside the sport would view these sort of figures and then Tokyo 2020 modern pentathlon the risk for equestrian sport we have equestrian has no hold over modern pentathlon whatsoever the officials aren't the same the vets aren't the same the arena isn't the same uh, nothing is there is no link between equestrian and modern pentathlon except the lay public the non-horse public will not realize that and they will see potentially the treatment of those horses in the modern pentathlon and think, well, that's equestrian, it should be banned. Um, 
you know, the uh, the German coach was kicked out of the Olympic Games for hitting the horse uh, that refused to jump. We all know that that was the wrong message. We know the horse would not probably have been uh, hurt by that. The horse may have been startled and a little bit stressed by being uh, being slapped by the coach. But the issue is the image. If she's prepared to do that uh, at an Olympic Games, what is she prepared to do when there's nobody around to monitor what she's doing? That's that's my th- Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. And, you know... It's, it was a disaster. It's a PR disaster for modern pentathlon. It's a PR disaster for, uh, for, for horse sport in general as well, I believe. And whilst, you know, uh, people had uh, seemed to have a lot of sympathy for the riders saying, oh, what a shame, you know. Well, many of these riders, many of the modern pentathlon athletes freely admit they don't spend very much time on riding. Is that not a perfect example of why you should be? You can be in a gold medal position and then suddenly lose it all because you aren't a good enough rider to deal with the horse. Um, I mean, there are so many examples of things we need to stop appearing in the media. Gordon Elliott, the trainer who gave the, 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 the... the two-fingered V for victory sign while sitting on a dead horse. I mean, I just, I almost, I am lost for words, um, you know, when I see things like this. And I sometimes feel that, you know, perhaps there is no hope for horse sport. Perhaps we are going to lose our social licence when we have things like this happening and being allowed to happen. And... It doesn't stop, you know, with with the the sports we recognise. Tennessee walking horses, unbelievable abuse um, in order to get these horses to uh, move how they do. Um, Again, it's barbaric. It's uh, it's medieval. Um, There have been so many attempts to ban it. And then perhaps something that's not so apparent to the uh, the non-lay public, the issue we have of obesity in horses and the issue we have of riders who are far too big for the horses. Uh, inappropriate 
uh, inappropriately horsed, shall we say, rather than passing judgment on the rider themselves. And it just doesn't stop. There are videos of uh, that, that showed a horse being tied to the back of a truck and dragged along because the owner was annoyed with it. Uh, we've even had some of our high-profile equestrians. Uh, we had last year, we had Mark Todd, uh, you know, pictured, uh, hitting a horse with a stick. So we have so many examples of things, really, that shouldn't be happening. Um, it's not that they shouldn't be getting into social media. They just should not be happening full stop. And we do have to start thinking about how we tell people, I'm sorry, that just isn't acceptable. You should not be doing that. Uh, do not do that to that horse. If you continue to do that to that horse, I am going to report you. Um, you know, we, we need to all step up and start defending horses where we see things that are wrong. So last year we ran a poll asking equestrians whether they felt that the welfare of sport horses is compromised and this was a massive poll we had um three thousand three and a half thousand people responded to this we had around 25 percent of people thought it often was compromised we had 62 percent thought it was sometimes compromised and hardly anyone said that their welfare was never compromised we also asked about whether people thought equine activists, uh, animal rights people, have a point regarding welfare issues in horse sport. And of course the problem is now it's not just people for the ethical treatment of animal, animals and animal aid that are focusing on horse sport. Um, you know, there are ordinary people pointing out things that are wrong. There are people within the sport that are starting to point out things like, for example, journalists like Julie Taylor. Um, so in answer to this question, 76% of these 3,500 equestrians across the board thought that equine activists have a point regarding welfare issues in our sports. We then asked, do you think horse sports social licence to operate is under threat at this point in time? The majority, 37%, said slightly. 32% thought moderately and 15% thought greatly. I think we're on the moderately. That's where I think. I think we're moderately under threat at this point in time. Um, you know, we might count ourselves lucky that there are other things that are going on that are much more taking people's focus. The war in Ukraine. We've just come through covid uh, we've got economic instability and in, in a world recession. Uh, all these things are perhaps diverting for us, fortunately, attention away from the welfare issues within horse sport. And we asked in the next question, what areas do you think are essential for sport horse welfare? And pretty much all of the things we asked were sort of rated 70 to 90%. Um, the highest one was training, uh, then young horses, competition management, um, you know, all of these things, stable and environmental management, judges, officials and rules, 
health and veterinary management, welfare assessment, horse-human relationship, all these things were pretty much considered extremely important. Now, the next question we asked was about whether information and knowledge should be used to optimise sport horse welfare. Should this be evidence-based? And 74% felt yes. And this is particularly interesting when it comes to discussions about the use of the whip in racing, which are currently um, taking a lot of uh, focus in the media. Um, There's a lot of really good evidence for and against the use of the whip, uh, most of it actually against. Um, And that is evidence. It's not opinion. So the majority of equestrians do believe that if we're making decisions about sport horse welfare, it should be based on evidence. And slightly less, uh, I guess, um, encouraging was we asked, would you be prepared to become actively involved in improving sport horse welfare? Um, 50% said yes. Uh, 39% said in some of it. Um, 9% said no. So I guess that's encouraging. So some examples of where SLO has been lost, we've talked about already. If we go back to 1600, bear baiting was a favourite pastime. Um, Bear baiting disappeared because people decided society decided actually it wasn't very nice and it wasn't acceptable fox hunting was lost through the hunting act in 2004 um, because of essentially losing its social license to operate and that was supported very strongly by the media the media is incredibly powerful Um, the daily mirror ran a say no to fox hunting campaign as did some other uh, papers and you know it's powerful we are at the mercy of the whims of politicians uh, and 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 media outlets who may think well there's a great story here yeah look at all this cruelty this bad uh, treatment of horses in horse sport that's going to make a brilliant panorama Um, and suddenly we're under the spotlight in a way we don't want to be. So what is being done to protect horse welfare and equestrian uh, social licence to operate? Well, of course, there is the uh, the FEI Social Licence to Operate Commission, effectively, which has been named the, uh, I've forgotten, the, the rename to the Ethics and whatever committee. That is a step in the positive direction. Um, it's good for the governing body of international sport to be seen, uh, to be taken a lead on this. Um, British Equestrian has appointed a welfare director. That's another positive step. The uh, aspect that I've been involved in is the development uh, or the setting up of the Sport Horse Welfare Foundation, which um, our strapline is supporting sport horse health and welfare through innovative research and education. And this is uh, sort of reads a bit like a a who's who of the the whole sport world. Um, We have uh, Dr. Carolyn Munsters from Holland, uh, Jane Williams from Hartbury, 
uh, Lisa Berg, we have Hayley Randall, we have Marianne Sloat, Katarina Kirsch, uh, Lars Rupter from Sweden, Hilary Clayton from the US, Mike Weissout from Zurich, and then there's me, um, and I'm. it was very honoured to be asked to be the president of uh, the, 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 say, the Sport Horse Welfare Foundation. Um, what have we been trying to do? Well, the first thing we have set out to do is to try and understand and represent the views of people in the equestrian industry. And we did this through what's called a Delphi project. Um, we, uh, we, we sent out questionnaires to equine professionals in more than 32 countries. We asked specifically for different roles, such as riders, trainers, grooms, farriers, people within the National Federation, vets and scientists. Uh, we selected countries that had participated or placed in uh, and placed in, in one of the last five Olympic Games. And as I say, we used this Delphi method, which uh, collates people's views. And we had a huge number of, of supporters for the, of this, including the European Equestrian Federation, uh, the International Dressage Trainers Club, the Swiss Federation, uh, the British Federation, uh, Hartbury University, uh, uh, and, 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 and many more, World Horse Welfare, <laughs> so uh, many, many more who are acknowledged on our website. And we, the, that project has just been completed and we are about to hold a closed webinar with the, the stakeholders. These are the people who have supported the research in order to give them the feedback and discuss with them the way in which we can use the information we've gained from the industry to understand what's going on and where changes need to be made. So what are the ways we could ensure the welfare of the sport horse? Well, the first thing is, you know, we may need some research. We, we need to understand the demands on these horses. We need to collect objective data rather than opinions. We need to understand what are the risk factors for compromise to health and welfare. And then we need what, what is called interventional research, where we change things and see if we can actually make improvements. The next stage is potentially rules and regulations. If we don't have rules and regulations that protect horse welfare, then we need to introduce them. If the ones we have aren't uh, sufficient enough, then they need to be modified. And of course, there's no point in having this unless we actually enforce these rules. And sanctions, for me, with intentional abuse, need to be severe. I would, for certain types of abuse, I would be wanting to see lifetime ban, straight out, no warning. Uh, you know, that, that would be my view in order to discourage people from even thinking about abusing horses. And then we need a huge amount of education. And this goes right across the board from the horse owners and riders uh, to trainers, vets, national federations, officials. Everyone involved could benefit from some education and improved awareness of what's going on within the sport, what people perceive as the issues and how we change our culture to 
being more horse uh, welfare centred. And then what about the animal activists? Are they really a threat? Do we need to worry about people for the ethical treatment of animals and animal aid? Well, I think we do. Uh, I often get told things like, this is a sort of a sentence I pulled together that I've heard so many times. We shouldn't listen to those that criticise what we do with horses. They don't know anything about our sport. They are a tiny proportion. They don't really matter. My answer to that is, well, yeah, you're right. At the moment, there's not that many of them. But these people are not stupid. They are intelligent. They are highly motivated. And they are very persistent. They are not going to give up. And if we dismiss them, then I believe it's our peril. And yes, you know, people like Animal Aid uh, use shock tactics. Uh, There's some of their focus on the Grand National. Don't bet on the Grand National. It's a national disgrace. 38 horses killed at the three-day Aintree meeting uh, between 2000 and 2012. It's a fact. It's horrible. You know what? That's a point. We need to be thinking about why that happened and, and why that shouldn't be allowed to happen in the future. And arrogance saying, well, these people are nutters. Oh, they don't matter. They don't have any power. Today, that may be true. Today, it actually may not be true. And I struggle sometimes with a number of questions when I'm asked by non-horse people. Uh, sometimes it's my friends. Sometimes it might be at a, a dinner party uh, or an event. Um, these are questions I find difficult to answer. And, and have a think about how you might answer these. Do horses enjoy being ridden and competed? And does being trained and competed compromise their welfare? And do they suffer pain and injuries as, as a result of being ridden and competed? How easy would you find those questions to answer for someone? Especially if you're talking to someone who's not a horse person. Maybe you're talking to somebody who's a horse owner who is just a pleasure rider, who doesn't compete. You know, those for me are tricky questions to answer. So I think we are going to have to uh, be more aware of social license and the threat to horse sport. I think we can do a lot more, and I'm not the only one. There are a lot of us that think we can do a lot more to continue to enjoy our sport, but at the same time improve the welfare of horses that we ride and compete. So we need to show we care more about horse welfare and we need to make improvements now. Otherwise, I think our SLO will become increasingly under threat and we've plenty of examples of where people didn't think what they did was going to be under threat and suddenly they wake up one day and it's gone let's not let that happen to us hey it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to Quince 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and the Stable Science series. If you want to learn more about this topic and our work, head over to the drdavidmarlin.com website. Our website and community of members discuss a wide breadth of topics and the website houses thousands of articles, webinars, videos and research, all designed to help horse owners, riders, trainers and breeders achieve optimal performance for their much-loved horses. The drdavidmarlin.com site is an independent information resource for all equestrians, a source of unbiased, science-based research. To learn more about what we do and the hot topics under discussion, follow us on Facebook Instagram or Twitter.